Hi, I'm Gracie Sarkeesian, the Executive Director at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We are excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to All in a Day's Work. My name is Joe Mercadante, and today I'm speaking with NYU undergraduate senior in the class of 2022, Carolyn Vaca. Carolyn is the senior office operations intern at NYU's LGBTQ plus center and president of the NYU Undergraduate Law Society. She's also an NYU Changemaker Fellow and spent a year interning at the New York Legal Assistance Group. Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. It's great to be here. Let's jump right in. You're still an undergrad student at NYU, but you've already made quite a bit of headway in your career. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about what you've been studying at NYU and what you've been doing in your internships and on-campus activities? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a pre-law double major in global liberal studies and social cultural analysis with a focus on Latina studies and gender and sexuality studies. I have worked at the NYU LGBTQ plus center since sophomore year. And then in terms of clubs, again, I'm one of the co-presidents of the Undergraduate Law Society. I've been involved in Lucha, the Hispanic Activism Club on campus, and I'm also an NYU Quidditch. So I'd love to know a little bit more about how you developed those interests. Like what drew you towards Latinx studies and LGBTQ advocacy? Yeah, absolutely. I would say mostly it was identity-based. I identify as a, a queer Latina woman. My family's Colombian. Originally, my interests lied in exploring different cultures. I started with Middle Eastern cultures in global liberal studies. And then I took one class from Professor Uyong in social cultural analysis. It was called The Constitution and People of Color. And then that really set off my interest in law, in working with people of color, and then it kind of just all fell together. I knew I wanted to work with a Latino population. I realized that I really wanted to focus on people who aligned with my experiences or that I could probably understand a little bit more in terms of my community. And the fact that I speak Spanish, there are not many legal professionals that can speak Spanish. And I think that's an extra connection that's really important to have. So I want to dig into this community a little bit more. When you first arrived at NYU, how did you approach finding a way into the Latinx and LGBTQ plus communities? Yeah, it's a really great question. Originally, I think it was intimidating to join both. You know, as a queer person, as a Latina person, I didn't know how to navigate both identities. I thought I kind of had to choose whether I wanted to be in communities of color or be in queer communities or queer plus communities. So I basically didn't join either. (laughs) Um, And I think I learned a lot from that experience, though, because that made me really desperately want to join community the end of my freshman year and the beginning of my sophomore year. And so I got more involved in the center. I found intersections of community, like the QT pot gatherings, where it's queer, trans people of color. And then I also got to see really great mentors and professionals who were people of color, like the assistant director and the director of our LGBTQ plus center, Chris Woods and Christopher Griffin. And they were amazing because I could see people of color in really powerful positions. And I knew that I could actually intersect these identities in some way. What are the unique benefits of working within communities where you share a common identity? 
it's an amazing experience for, I think, both perspectives or many perspectives for a person with the identity like myself, you know, working in these communities, it's fulfilling. And then also, and we talk a lot, especially I was in alternative breaks and we learned a lot about saviorism or white saviorism or savior complex. And when you're working with specific communities and public interest sectors, for example, it's easy to fall into this pattern of, oh, we're saving a community or we're saving a certain amount of people because we have the resources that they might not at the time. So I think having these identities that I align with helps at least mitigate or eliminate this idea that I'm saving someone and helps me empower their voice. And that's really my goal every time I try to serve someone or or work with them. It's not that I'm you know speaking for them. It's that I'm using their voice and empowering their voice and being able to communicate and relay their perspective and their voice to our attorneys. So I think it's really just about empowerment and learning about the community. And I think, you know, even if you don't align with someone's identity or align with a community's identity, you can still take the time to learn about each community and empower their voice that way. So you've had the benefit of working with some really wonderful mentors while at NYU. Do you have any advice for people who are seeking out mentorship but don't quite know where to start? Oof, yeah, it's tough. It's it's tough finding people that you really do connect with on a very genuine level, on a personal level and professional level. I would say go towards your interests immediately. And I think it's hard as freshmen and sophomores, especially beginning of sophomore year and end of freshman year, because you're fulfilling general requirements. And end of sophomore year is when I took Uyang's class. So I would say the chance that you get to take an elective of pure interest that's when I think you'll start to find some mentors or some people to guide you in the interests that you really fall in. And also professionally, you know, I have always been an advocate of finding jobs that, you, you know, you actually like and you're really passionate about. And because of that, working at the NYU LGBTQ Plus Center, I found mentors because I know my interests and my work and my passion aligns with their interests and passion as well. So I, that, I think that's why I've been able to learn so much from them. So I'd like to switch gears a little bit right now and talk more specifically about some of these professional opportunities you've taken on, starting with your role at the NYU LGBTQ Plus Center. How did you first land that position and what sort of work do you do there? It's funny, Chris and I were actually talking about this last week before I got into NYU or before I came into NYU as a freshman, I reached out to him and I sent him an email saying, are there any positions open at the the center? I Keep in mind, I hadn't gone to the center. I didn't know what they did. I didn't know any of the programs or the work. I didn't know any of the job descriptions. But I knew I wanted to get involved in the community in some way. And so I found the director. I found his email. And I emailed him and I said, are there any positions available? And he said, not at the time. And so I actually worked at the Wasserman Center my end of freshman year. The end of freshman year, second semester, Chris reached out to me again. He was like, we have a position open. We actually have a few. Feel free to apply because you remembered I emailed him. And then I applied to four out of the five positions. <laughs> I didn't apply to the fifth because I did not have any experience in graphic design, but I was just very passionate. And then I got a position. And so it was kind of a long journey to get to where I was or where I am, but it was definitely worth it. Now that's awesome. That initiative really paid off. Can you just talk a little bit about what you have been doing there? Sure. Yeah. So my position has kind of expanded over the, the past couple of years. Senior operations intern is really administrative 
deals with all of communication operations in the center from ordering supplies to communicating with staff members. I work directly with our center director, Chris Woods, and that's been really amazing because he sees my interest in the position and in being more and more involved. And so the past couple of years, especially with our 25th anniversary this past year, I was able to shadow him in different types of meetings, whether it was, you know, programming, which is something that wasn't initially in my job description, but I fell into, to connecting with alumni and starting to gather donors. And that was our big project, the 25th anniversary. So it's expanded. Um, I'm not sure we might have to update our, our job descriptions at this point, but now I would say I do all of the operations work as well, but I also try to reach out to Chris and see, do you need any help with this project or that project? We'll be right back to our episode after this quick tip from Sarah Rosenthal. The NYU Changemaker Fellowship is for students with summer internships who are committed to issues of social impact and economic or racial inequality. During the summer, fellows will have the opportunity to engage in leadership development and career coaching, identifying goals and networking opportunities, and reflecting with their peers. The fellowship also provides financial support through a $5,000 stipend. There are three different types of programming during the fellowship. Orientation, prior to starting the internship, individual and group coaching throughout the summer, and a culminating fall retreat, which provides them with the opportunity to connect, reflect, and grow with their peers as they hear from NYU alumni also working in social impact. Applications open in the spring for the upcoming summer cohort, and fellows are selected based on a number of criteria, including a demonstrated commitment to issues of inequality based on past service, leadership, coursework, or work experiences, an established commitment or interest in developing their service leadership capacities, an articulated connection across their learning objectives for the internship and professional goals, and financial need. More information about the NYU Changemaker Fellowship can be found on our website. And now, back to the episode. So it sounds like that internship has been a really wonderful professional experience, but as you mentioned, you didn't get it right away and you reached out. Do you have any advice for new students who are looking to get their foot in the door with some professional experiences? Yeah, absolutely. I think especially being a freshman, I'll speak first about that because I know getting my first job on campus was very, very difficult. I applied to 11 jobs on Handshake. So I applied to 11 jobs and only got one interview and got the one job at Wasserman. And it's hard because when you're a freshman, you really only have those skills from high school, which could be very, very good skills, but it doesn't seem too appealing to professionals or people interviewing at the time. So I would say keep applying to jobs, especially as a freshman. Someone just has to take a chance on you, like Chris did for me. And then in terms of getting, you know, a job that you're very passionate, like the LGBTQ plus center for me, I would say just keep making those connections. I mean, I went to the center. I tried to do research ahead of time, find out the programming do whatever I could to connect with people. I talked to a person that was working there before and asked, what's it like working at the center? So I did my research and my work and definitely, you know, use some resources going into the interview. Just applying to as many jobs as you can, though, I think is, is the biggest advice I can give. 
No, that's great advice. And that's what we tell students too. Sometimes a numbers game. So you also interned for a full year at the New York Legal Assistance. Can you tell me a bit about what that internship entailed? Yeah, so I interned at the New York Legal Assistance Group's LGBT law project. So it was supposed to be for one fall semester. I mostly did initially English intakes for immigration or employment issues for LGBTQ plus individuals. I didn't feel quite confident with my Spanish speaking abilities at the time. And so I asked to only be put in, in English or for English clients. And I learned a lot my first semester. And then I asked to stay on in the winter and then in the spring. And that's kind of where my responsibilities expanded. So the paralegal at the time on the team, who was the Spanish speaker and the only Spanish speaker on the team of six people, they left. They you know, were going on to their next endeavor, I think maybe law school. And so when they left, we didn't have a Spanish speaker and I was the only one. And so it was kind of like a fast track into my professional career speaking Spanish. I got assigned initially, I think, 20 clients. I worked on their cases. I followed up with them. I started doing their paperwork for asylum applications, learning about new clients and how to work with them. And so really spring and summer, and thanks to the Changemaker Fellowship, I was able to have my summer funded, which was a big help. And that's where I had a full caseload. And I learned a lot in terms of, you know, my ability to speak Spanish and my confidence went up through the roof. And then also, you know, tangible skills like doing I-45s or immigration cases and and working with paralegals and working with the attorney. So, yeah, it was amazing. It seems like being a Spanish speaker really created a lot of opportunities for you in that internship. What sorts of opportunities do you see for Spanish speaking people who are interested in work in a similar field? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. There aren't many Spanish speakers in the legal profession. The majority of attorneys and legal professionals tend to be white. It's a privileged field. You know, you need to have resources to go to law school, you know, paying for the LSAT, paying for applying to law school. And there's a lot of scholarships, but it's just it's disproportional. So I think it's it's important to have more Spanish speakers and more people of color in the legal field. And if you're interested in that, starting out as a paralegal and being able to speak Spanish is such an asset. And that's how I hope to get my next job, probably in the immigration field as well, probably in asylum, LGBTQ plus asylum. You know, even if you don't use Spanish, I think people see it as an asset now, especially with, you know, different clientele. And when you're looking at public interest law specifically, there's a lot of black and Hispanic or Latino clientele. And I think, like we were talking about serving communities that you identify with, I think a team for example, at a law firm, would want someone who can also like relate to clients. And even if they don't need to speak Spanish, have the ability to speak Spanish to a client or a client's family for comfort and connection. Absolutely. I think that was great. And breaking down those barriers to better support your community and clients really just takes things to another level. So I think that's great. So initially, the New York Legal Assistant Internship was meant to last one semester, but you used the NYU Changemaker Fellowship to extend that experience for a full academic year. Obviously, New York can be very expensive. What strategies do you use to find opportunities for financial assistance and scholarships? I sign up for every newsletter out there. <laughs> um, so whether it's Wasserman's, pre-professional advising for pre-law, and even in other schools like Pace or Columbia, 
if I can. I think it's funny. My girlfriend and I were just talking about, she always says that money finds me. And it's really just because I apply to everything. I apply and look for so many opportunities and scholarships out there that, you know, I might find a grant like the Wasserman internship grant here or there. And that helps me a lot in terms of sustaining myself in the city, you know, buying groceries, buying clothes or whatever I need. That's a reality for me. And I know that's a reality for a lot of students where, you know, you have to think about how you're going to pay for certain things and budget a lot, even though that's another layer to being a student that some people may not have to think about and some people do. You know, if anyone's looking for that type of specifically professional funding, I would say definitely sign up for any newsletter for legal professionals or looking into the legal career. There's a bunch. But yeah, <laughs> look for them all. No, that's so smart. And there's so many grants and scholarships that don't even get a lot of applicants either. So you're really missing out on these opportunities by not applying. So it seems like you have an enormous amount on your plate. You have the responsibilities that come along with your internships and you're searching and applying for awards. You're involved in on-campus activities. And on top of that, you're taking a full course load. How do you manage your time in a way that doesn't take too much of a toll on your mental well-being? That's a great question. (laughs) I think last year, the COVID year, It was very, very difficult. And this was also the year I was managing my job at the center, managing my internship, which was supposed to be really 15, maybe 20 hours, but I was working like 20 plus hours. And that was all on me. That was what I had to do to, you know, manage my clients and manage my jobs and classes. COVID made it seem like I didn't need to budget time. You know, you could jump from one Zoom session to the next and it was very easy. And even outside of a COVID world, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, tend to overbook themselves and want to do more, especially as a student. It seems like you have to have everything figured out and do everything before you graduate. So you have the best job prospects if you're going to law school. So you have a good application or grad school. There's a lot of pressure. What I did definitely this year and the end of last year was learn how to set boundaries. You know, I would turn off my computer at six, go for a walk and learn how to set those boundaries. And also I kind of framed it in my mind that I deserve this break and I deserve to have boundaries for myself and I deserve to have the mental health and stability that I need. So what's next for you? What's coming up? The plan has always been to work for a couple years, one or two years as a paralegal, probably in immigration, maybe even exploring different fields and then going to law school. But also I'm Thinking to also explore different fields. I know I've talked to, to Chris and our other staff about higher education or other types of fields where I may not go to law school, but I may do something similar. I think my passions really lie with law, but I think it's important to also explore different fields and figure out what's right for you. And I think, you know, any undergrads or grads who are hearing this too, I've heard so many times from mentors, like you don't have to have it figured out. And especially at NYU, where we're so career driven and so, you know, everyone seems like they have it together. We're still kind of just kids. (laughs) We're still young people. We have our lives ahead of us. And so I'm trying to realize that as well. So probably paralegal, but I'll I'll keep you posted. (laughs) Thank you so much, Carolyn, for speaking with me today. I know all of us here at the Wasserman Center are very excited to see what the future holds for you. This has been Joe Mercadante with All in a Day's Work. Thank you for listening. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, 
you can log onto our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Joe Mercadante with episode guest, Carolyn Vaca. We're produced by Miriam Miller and Lily Smith, edited by Lily Smith, and created with support from Mia Beresford, Danielle Crystal, Haley Garofalo, Carrie Contianis, and Sarah Rosenthal. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening.